coming up in this episode. Terror groups are still intent on attacking aviation. You can never uh, let your guard down. An exclusive interview with the head of the Transportation Security Administration. In addition to aviation threats, Peter Neffinger speaks candidly about those long lines at airports. We are recommending that people prepare for large crowds. We have, we have higher volumes of people traveling this year than we did the previous year, and those volumes have, have grown over the past number of years. And he talks about how you can make a difference. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Got a very graphic situation. San Bernardino. Upwards of 14 people that are dead. We are now investigating these horrific acts as an act of terrorism. Paris. An attack on all of humanity. The Islamic State. I'm back, Obama. They I'm want back. you to imagine them in the shadows as something greater than they are. Hostile nation states. They can't inflict mortal damage to the United States. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. This is Target USA. America in the crosshairs. Whether it's anarchists, cyber criminals, nation states, or terrorists, America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. I'm J.J. Green, previously on Target USA. It happened on February 14, 2016, at the airport in Casablanca, Morocco. Dr. David Pollack from the Washington Institute for Near East Policy and this reporter witnessed a disturbing event. I saw a group, a small group, I'd say probably four or five people who looked like, from their appearance, their dress and so on, it looked like they might have been Moroccans or other uh, people from other, some other nearby country who were cutting into the line. And they were just, you know, everybody else was waiting pretty patiently and kind of pretty orderly. Even though it was going to be a long wait, we could see that. And, you know, everybody was kind of nervous about making their connection. But this small group of guys was just like moving up to the front of the line and around everybody else and right up to the front where they were doing the screening, checking the passports, the boarding passes, and the carry-on stuff and putting it through metal detector and x-ray and that whole thing. And they were just like cutting right into the line. And there were policemen standing around. Right there. And just watching them do this. As disturbing as that was, what happened next was downright chilling. As it happened, some of these guys who had cut in line were in the men's room at the same time that we were. I saw that. And that was, I didn't think much of it. I mean, you know, there they were, but okay. Then something happened that I didn't see, but that you saw, and you told me about it right there on the spot, uh, which I thought was really disturbing. As it happened, several of the people that cut into the screening line were also in the men's room. There was also a policeman facing the sink, combing his hair. One of the line jumpers walked up behind him and without a word, pulled out what appeared to be a wad of Moroccan money, dirham, and placed it on the sink in front of the policeman. Without speaking a word or making eye contact, the policeman picked up the money, 
stuffed it in his pocket, and casually exited the restroom. Following them out of the restroom, we observed that they went in different directions and never did engage each other. That was a bribe, prearranged, and it was a bribe to the cops in order to be able to cut in line and get through the screening process. We never found out what that bribe was for, but apparently they happen all the time. And in the wake of three aviation events related to terror or suspected to have some terrorism links, that is a huge concern for Peter Neffinger, the man who runs TSA. And on this program, we talk about it. Well, as you know, we don't yet know what happened to the uh, Egypt Air uh, plane crash and we're, we're, or what, what caused that um, aircraft to come down. Uh, we're, we're following that investigation closely. I don't believe they've yet discovered um, the, some of the critical gear like the black boxes uh, and so forth. But uh, as we follow it, we, uh, we haven't yet been able to rule out uh, the potential for terrorism, so we, we look at this very seriously. And, uh, and we'll follow it closely. It does remind us, uh, in any event, that um, events like this can, uh, can dramatically impact the system, and, uh, and we pay very close attention to it. Neffinger explained that anything that happens in the aviation security arena has a domino effect. Well, it is a global system. I mean, they, their uh, air, aircraft move around the world freely, and, they, and they're one of the reasons why it, um, uh, economies of the world have been so strong. They, they can move goods and services very, very freely and, and, uh, and rapidly around the world. Uh, we're very interested in ensuring that uh, any aircraft heading to the United States uh, do so, uh, are safe to do so. They've been inspected properly and secured properly. So all so-called last points of departure air, airports, these are airports that service the U.S. directly, uh, whether with U.S. carriers or foreign carriers, have to meet U.S. standards for, uh, for passenger screening and for cargo and aircraft security. Every time there is an aircraft accident, incident, or disaster, a TSA process kicks into motion. We have stringent standards we're putting into effect um, uh, already at, at uh, foreign airports to service the U.S. In addition to that, we've, um, uh, as you know, following the Metrojet incident over the Sinai uh, last October, uh, we put a number of additional measures in place at certain airports of concern um, in that region of the world. Uh, we, we, following any um, accident, of course, we go back and, and verify that those measures are, are in fact working. We've been going in and out of those uh, airports and, uh, and working with our European partners uh, for some time now, uh, but uh, in particular following the, uh, the recent uh, attacks on aircraft. Clearly worried about threats to aviation worldwide, the TSA is trying to press ahead. Moving people through the busy summer travel season in the U.S., which has gotten a lot busier than it was last year, and balancing heightened security concerns at airports at the same time. So three hours is not ideal. Um, On May 13th, DHS Secretary Jay Johnson and Neffinger spoke to reporters at Reagan National Airport about their concerns regarding security and long lines. And I was able to get a question in. Yes, sir. J.J., right here. One of the things you've talked about with reference to world events, you've talked about Brussels and some other situations. Can you talk a little bit about how security is pushing outward from the airport to detect uh, more problems before they get into the airport? How you're approaching that? Well, since the summer of 2014, we've been focused on security at overseas airports that are last point of departure airports. We went back and focused on that even more after the events of Sharm el-Sheikh to evaluate the security at various airports in the region 
and to evaluate and reevaluate the security at last point of departure airports from that region into the United States. One of the things that has been part of my mandate is also preclearance, where we forward deploy customs officers overseas, and we've also uh, put in place some additional measures um, that we're in a position to provide uh, in terms of airport security here domestically and overseas, uh, so that we're not just focused on that immediate security checkpoint uh, that is downstairs. But this is something that I hope the public understands. There continues to be a concern about aviation security. We cannot, we cannot call it quits and go home. Uh, there are still concerns about aviation security. Uh, just a month or two ago, a record number of firearms were seized on carry -on, in carry-on luggage going on to uh, airplanes here. And so there is still very, very much a job for our aviation security personnel in this country. And we will not compromise aviation security uh, in the face of increased passenger volume. Ten days later, Neffinger updated us on what was happening. First, let me say that uh, you know, efficiency of the system is, is important to me as well. It's important to TSA. We have to be effective at what we do. And in the wake of the um, Inspector General's findings last year, uh, we had to get much better at what we did. And, and uh, Secretary Johnson and I said uh, we knew at the time uh, that that would likely increase uh, the, uh, the time it took to move people through because we had to get better and more effective at doing that. That said, we also have to ensure that we move people efficiently through the system because large crowds gathering uh, pose a challenge and they also pose a challenge for the system. So the, the, uh, we are recommending that people prepare for large crowds. We have, we have higher volumes of people traveling this year than we did the previous year, and those volumes have, have grown over the past number of years. Uh, TSA staffing levels are lower than I'd like to see, so we're, we're building those back with the help of um, some recent reprogrammings that Congress has given us. We're putting a lot of um, additional resources into the system, and we're, we're moving those resources to the airports that have the highest volumes of, of people moving through. That said, at peak periods, uh, you will still see uh, large crowds in airports. Uh, our goal is to try to move them efficiently through the system uh, to ensure that we don't have wait times that exceed, um, um, you know, excessive amounts for, for long periods of time as we saw last week in Chicago. And speaking of Chicago, O'Hare Airport to be specific, where some people had to spend the night, Neffinger told us exactly what happened. Uh, a, f a failure to get enough lanes open uh, when the surge hit. So, so we've asked people to get to airports earlier, uh, they're arriving earlier, and, uh, and we did not have enough lanes open when the, the surge of people arrived first thing in the morning. And the challenge is, uh, just like a traffic jam, once you get behind, it takes a long time to clear out, uh, to clear out that jam. So we, uh, we, we, I sent a team in to immediately assess the way in which we were uh, conducting operations. They, they made a number of um, immediate adjustments to both the staffing allocation and the staffing assignments, the staffing start times. And uh, now we have seen, uh, even at, um, uh, on the busiest day uh, since then, that the, with the exception of the very first time in the morning when, when everybody's lined up waiting to get in, uh, we didn't see uh, a wait time exceed 30 minutes. Our interview with Neffinger was at 11 a.m. on May 23rd. He didn't mention it while we were sitting down, but clearly plans were in the works to reassign TSA's chief security officer, Kelly Hogan, 
because by 3 o'clock that day, it was done, and an entirely new leadership team was in place at O'Hare's airport. Under tremendous pressure to make something happen, Neffinger moved very quickly. He hinted during the course of the interview that something was in the works, but he didn't say exactly what it was. But Neffinger was more forthcoming about what we, as travelers, can do to make it easier to move through security lines at airports. One of the, one of the best ways to improve uh, the passenger experience is to uh, enroll in one of the trusted traveler programs. Uh, any one of the trusted traveler programs, Global Entry, Nexus, Sentry, and of course uh, TSA's PreCheck, will get you ex- expedited uh, travel experience. And yeah, so, for example, this past week, uh, 92% of all people moving through the PreCheck line moved through in less than five minutes across the system. So, so that's a significantly um, improved traveler experience. And uh, the more people who I can enroll in uh, trusted traveler programs, uh, the more efficiently we can operate the system. Right. Sir, if everybody gets enrolled in trusted traveler or pre-check, doesn't that then move the line from where it is to the pre-check line? Well, pre-check lines move at about double uh, the rate of a standard line uh, because, because you're, 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 you're taking off um, you know, less and you're, and you're able to move through much faster. And I can open more and more pre-check lanes. So ultimately, if you could, if you could get um, a significant number of people into pre-check, then you would have essentially more pre-check lanes and you'd need standard lanes because you'd have the, uh, a majority of people moving through. And how deep do you go in the pre-check process for people to clear them for it? Uh, it's a, there's an online enrollment application. Uh, uh, it's uh, been streamlined over the past year. Uh, then you have to provide fingerprints, so you get a, um, a quick uh, FBI background check, and it's against a, um, a defined series of concerns. But it's, a, it's fairly straightforward. It can be done as, in as little as a day. It can take sometimes up to two weeks, depending upon what might be found in the background check. Background checks are extremely important, and we'll examine why in our next episode when we deal with the scenario. What are your agents trained to do if in the airport someone comes in, they're discovered in a screening line with explosives on the body. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA.